0: Apparently.
1: Yeah, okay. And we are live.
0: Uh, hello. Welcome to the Chino Chat, oh, the Chino Show podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he fucked it up. Anyways, uh, <laughs> it up. this is the third installment. Uh, the third week we've been doing this, but it's only the second episode. And that's because the first one was super scuffed. Uh, but now we're on the second episode, and it's somewhat smooth sailing. Uh, past the first minute, hopefully.
1: Smoother sailing than the first episode, for sure.
0: Yeah. So, uh, to, to keep the... up with...
1: Tra- hang on. To keep with tradition, uh, it's getting kind of cold. Uh, the weather's alright, though. Pretty good. <laughs> just so that's the first thing we yeah. bring
2: up. Pretty, pretty cold. A right, uh... little, little nippy. But yeah, go yeah, ahead, Yeah, I was just wearing... Oh, go ahead, yeah. So, uh, we have a special guest today. We got uh, the one and only DM Carl. <laughs> uh, why don't you introduce yourself, Carl? Uh, hi, everybody. My name's Carl Schubert. Uh, I'm
3: the DM for uh, these three clowns that I'm with right now. <laughs> um, yeah, I this is my first time on a podcast, so this will be fun. Uh, I always wanted to do a podcast myself, but just never found the time. So I guess this is a little bit of a, a test run for me. So
1: this is your stepping yeah. stone to your own future.
2: Put a toe in the water for this. So,
1: <laughs> if you did a podcast, uh, would it be D and D themed?
2: Uh, I don't want to. I don't
1: want to pin your whole personality to D and D. That's definitely <laughs> I mean, not that's a, entirely who you are. But it yeah. seems like you uh, invest a lot of time into D and D.
3: I do invest quite a lot of time. So there are a few things that I would potentially. Do so. There's either that, or I I would do probably like uh, like a historical and philosophical not philosophical podcast because uh, that's what I'm studying for school. Uh, mm-hmm. So I could I could probably do that for a podcast, which I think that would be fun. But D and D is probably the uh, one of the larger parts of my life. Uh, so. It would probably be that, just because it's fun. It's a hobby, and you never want to make one of your hobbies
2: too similar to what you plan on doing for work. So yeah, I can yeah. see that. That actually segues really, uh, really well into this first question that I have for you. Which uh, I know, I know you explained a little bit yesterday, but how did you get really into D and D uh, and DMing a little bit later, uh, specifically?
3: Okay, so I started playing D&D when I was four years old. Um, I would always uh, be sitting in the living room when my dad would have his old college friends over. And they would be playing D&D in the living room. Um, My mom and dad played D&D in college and they carried it on through their adult lives. So I got drafted in fairly young because I wanted to play because I wanted to be with the adult. Um, And so my dad would make me these really overpowered characters that couldn't die because, like, little kids don't really do much, but you just need them to not die and enjoy the experience. Um, And so that's how I kind of started. But, like, I started consciously gaming, like, making my own characters probably when I was eight, Mm nine-ish. And that that was really fun. Uh, I... I enjoyed that a lot and I've played a lot of characters from that point till now and then probably when I was 16 or 17 I started making my own homebrew worlds and starting to DM sessions and I started with my family because I wanted to test them out stuff like that and I have I have a campaign with them that's been going on for like a year or so now um, Wow. so that's that's fun And then I started DMing my college groups, uh, which they're usually shorter, but you know, some of them are showing some promise to be long-term and then I, I have the one with
2: y'all. So yeah. Yeah. So, um, what's the longest D and D session you've had or like still going, you know? Session or campaign. Oh that's a good question. Both. Uh, okay, both. both.
3: Yeah, both. <laughs> Start with All campaign. Right. Okay, so the longest running campaign I've DM'd is the one with my family, which is currently running at uh actually let me think. That's 18 months. So wow. that's that's a pretty decent campaign right there. Wow. Um and then I would probably say the longest session I've DM'd. Let me think. I think it was a it was a thirteen-hour session. Jesus Christ! Wow. Yeah, uh, we started <laughs> <laughs> we started at uh, nine a.m. and we went till ten p.m. So wow, I that, thought our yeah.
1: session yesterday was
0: long yeah, yeah, and we had a break It was, break like, what, it was like what,
1: maybe eight hours total? Maybe. I so, cause maybe, like, We started 4:30. around 4.30 or 5. We did a little bit of, yep. like, tidying yeah. up before we started. Yeah,
3: probably. I think five was the official start point. we ended, like, almost
1: we... 1 a.m. with, like, yeah, an hour two... break probably total. So,
3: yeah. like, seven hours? Or six hours, I guess? Solid. Is that, like, standard? I... Yeah, uh usually usually i prefer six hour sessions with a break in the middle uh because mm-hmm. you get a lot of stuff done um and it allows for a pause yeah between um because it's just D D can get very tiring if you're if you're involved in it too much you need breaks and stuff because eventually yeah. your body just gets
2: tired and you need to give a break but um I don't know if you guys experienced it, but my creativity, I felt, was going, like... I was being less creative. I don't know if it was because I was tired or because I had been a part of the campaign for so long. Probably because I was tired, honestly. But I was, like, doing more predictable things. I think towards the beginning, I was pretty crazy. Yeah, I'd say.
0: Like, yeah, probably a mix of the two. Because definitely toward the end, I was like, oh, man, I have no idea, like, how... (laughs) Because <laughs> we had like, it was kind of a puzzle, I guess, at the end. Yeah. So,
3: like, uh, yeah. It, it our, definitely is thing. a puzzle, which I'm going to keep as much a secret to myself because, you know. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, please do. I don't want to be I spoiled it to at be, all. I want yeah. it to be a surprise for y'all. <laughs> but yeah, I have big things in store for y'all's campaign.
2: It'll be fun. I'm excited. Awesome. Yeah, me too. <clears throat> so. Uh, I think most people know that D and D stands for Dungeons and Dragons. But what I really? didn't know going into this, yeah, oh, oh, yeah, you're gonna mock me or something. Yeah. Anyways, um, <laughs> going in, going Sorry. into it, I I didn't know uh, the difference between two e, or I didn't know that two e and five e like was a thing. I just thought it was kind of
3: yeah. So um, there are currently five editions to Dungeons & Dragons. Um, and there's there's more if you count, like, the stuff that Gary Gygax released before first edition. Uh, Mm -hmm. before it was actually called Dungeons & Dragons. Um, but, yeah. I'm sorry. The music is just a little loud. Um, it's kind of hard for... uh...
1: You can turn it down.
3: Is there a way right Oh, click I can on turn it down.
1: Line, yeah, if you right-click oh, yeah, it, there's a slider.
0: Yeah, it was probably pegged at hundred for you rather than. Oh like bless. Fifteen. <laughs> Yikes.
3: Oh, oh bless. bless. <laughs> I was like, this is He's really loud. trying to converse loud. with like a super loud Skyrim engine. <laughs> in yeah. So yeah. Sorry for those who don't know. I'm fairly new to Discord. Um, <laughs> trying to figure that all out. Um. But yeah, I, I would... So, if if you count the stuff before first edition, uh, then you have things like Chainmail and a few other games that were released before Guy Gats made first edition. And first edition is basically uh, the culmination of everything that he did prior. Um, mm-hmm. But after that, there's five editions. And basically... Uh, The first two editions are very similar to each other, which is why they work so well. Um, Like, some of the stuff y'all are encountering in the campaign, because we're running a second edition campaign, um, is actually first edition material, but it works well enough that it fits within second edition without me having to change it. Mm -hmm. Um, Is it, like,
2: additive? Like, with Uh, each edition, is it just, like, it adds more stuff each time, or is it... Not not necessarily. So, first edition is, like, its own
3: beast, and it was fairly chaotic and uh, really rough around the edges, which some people really like, Uh, but second edition uh, was when they decided to go back and organize it to where it's easier to understand, Um, and then... Second edition got these players' options and uh, other stuff like Oriental Adventures, which I have some books here that they added on later uh, towards the towards the end uh, of TSR's ownership of D&D, um, and after which uh, the company eventually would uh, go bankrupt, and then they would make uh third edition which 3e was really different from 1 and 2e um they had some similarities but they also had it's like uh this weird middle child between the old generation and the new generation of 4 and 5e um and so it's a little odd and so there's that and there's like half editions like three and a half two and a half where they added in players options and then 4e um, was a completely different thing. Uh, 4e was them, the the new company that owned it wanted to be able to computer program uh, oh. it into a video game, and so they right. ri- they hyper-simplified a lot of the rules. Um, but 4e has been critiqued for a really long time for being really unbalanced hmm. because it was like their first go um whereas like first and second edition had the benefit of having chainmail before it to like right. work out all the kinks um and so fifth edition is essentially cleaning up fourth edition um and it has a lot of simple rules um it has a lot of things that one skill will apply to a bunch of things whereas second edition like that skill applies to one specific action and it's a little grittier in that sense. Uh, because if you have a survival skill in 5th edition, it's... fairly different from a survival skill in 2nd edition. Because 2nd edition 1, your your skills are completely... independent from your stats, in the sense that you earn them separately, uh, the bonuses aren't really affected, but the roll is affected by your stats. Um, Whereas in 5th edition, uh, your stats and your skills are completely intertwined. Where uh, if you get a certain stat, like it, it, you know exactly what bonus you have based off of your stat. And so that can be really handy for a new player trying to learn um, because it's simple, it's easy to understand. Um, but it kind of lacks a certain depth that I prefer, because um, I like right. I like the little nuances, the the weird uh, nooks and crannies of a game system, and so uh, that's that's what I prefer uh, in a tabletop game, because like I like video games, but like if I'm playing D and I don't want to feel like I'm playing a video game. I want to have exactly. a completely different experience. Yeah, yeah
0: I can see I- that. Yeah, I had that so I, I had that exact like feeling throughout our uh first session there because like there's so many things you can do in a tabletop game mm. that you really couldn't do if it was a pre-programmed game where there's set limitations and everything. There really yeah. are no limitations except for what the DM kind of imposes, you know, in
1: With that in mind, team. how flexible is like is D and D in general? How flexible is? I, I was, it? Are you willing to be about it as a DM?
2: Yeah.
3: Okay. So I okay. usually, um, when it comes to a campaign and how much I'm willing to bend um, rules, uh, I am willing to bend as long as the situation makes sense and it makes a good story. Uh, because in my opinion, the number one thing that is important to D&D is storytelling. And everything else comes after that. The rules are really just guidelines and suggestions in order to make a more convincing story um, mm-hmm. and a more consistent feel so the players don't feel they're cheated. Like, if I could DM without any rules, without fear of alienating a player, then I would. Um, oh,
2: I see. Okay, but That makes sense.
3: But, like, you need rules in order to kind of ground yourself and let you know what, what you can do better uh, in a game sense. And so, like, I'm willing to bend a lot of things. Like, I'm willing to make entirely new classes, if y'all, as you all have witnessed, and I'm willing to do a lot of things as long as my players have a, a cool story in mind that mm-hmm. they want to do.
2: Um, and I always and feel I like just, people... Oh, go on, sorry.
3: Uh, I, I just feel like you know, it's a story that's being told between the DM and the players. And so if the players want to go a completely different route than I was first intending, like uh, in one of in the campaign that I have with my family, I was intending on them staying in this one city and finding all of these hidden secrets. Uh, they decided to leave the city and <laughs> travel halfway across my planet to a different country. <laughs> <laughs> and completely restart. Um, they started. They started running guns into a war zone.
0: <laughs> um, That's awesome.
3: Yeah. I'm, well, I'm guessing that like something like that requires a lot of improv on your part. Uh, quite a deal of improv. Like I, I had to quickly look up like exchange rates for different <laughs> metals and inflation rates and in war zones and stuff on the spot, and it was very much stressful, but. You know, that, that's just part of the game. Like, if your players want to go a certain direction, you, the DM, cannot rule them with an iron fist. You have to learn how to cooperate with them to make a story that you yeah. all want to be a part of.
1: It's like you're playing a, so, a completely different mirror image game at the same time as the players. Yeah, play.
2: mm-hmm. yeah pretty much. I always feel like... So the rules are there to... Because I always feel like whenever people are constrained, they're almost more creative so mm-hmm. that they can get around um so the rules are there to promote creativity but then yeah. also the players are there to promote your creativity as well cuz it's 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 just like this cesspool of creativity mm-hmm. <laughs> Nice cesspool yeah that's a good word for it million cesspool. really good word I mean, <laughs> I mean hey
1: some melting pot just there
2: melting pot sure we can call it that cesspool <laughs> is my word <laughs> 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 my word of the day <laughs> uh <clears throat> well, that
3: so, worries me. If you think that our campaign's a cesspool so far, I might have <laughs> yeah. to. I might have to make some changes. Uh, and i um, not it's a bad thing. <laughs> I
0: one I thing like I really cesspool. liked, I like about the way you, uh, you DM in particular is the way that like m- I, when, before, whenever I played any D and D, our DM would always want us to like really stay as one cohesive group and not go like anywhere alone. But like, whenever mm. you, you Like, whenever we were alone, kind of, it almost felt like, I don't know, because I sometimes like to envision, like, what's going on in the campaign in my head. I like to, like, it almost felt like there was a movie happening, you know, whenever we were apart. Like, it Mm -hmm. would switch between our perspectives, like, you know, cut and everything. Like Uh, Star Wars. Sort of, yeah, I guess. Or any other movie that had, like, multiple characters doing different things
3: at once. But I really liked the way you did that. Yeah, well, I I certainly try to, because... I kind of view it as like, you know, each of y'all are like protagonists in your own right. And so if I have, I have a whole bunch of main characters, essentially, that I'm playing. I have to switch between uh, their perspectives equally. And it's like, yeah, I mean, it's easy if you're trying to conquer a specific goal to keep everyone together. and like there are some times when like staying together is probably the best thing for the party but i find it particularly um interesting when you allow characters to go off on their own to have their a life essentially outside of the group and so one it allows you to invest into your character better. Mm-hmm. Because like if you just view your character as like Oh, my character's entire identity is being the healer for this group.
2: Kind of like just a cog all... in
3: the wheel. It's actually mm-hmm. all you're ever going to feel is like this is my oh. job and that's all I'm good for. Mm-hmm. And frankly, like if you're only viewed as the meat shield or the spellcaster or the healer of the group, then then like your characters just becomes one-dimensional and boring, and you don't want that. I don't want that. And so, I feel like you almost have to allow the characters to act on their own, often isolated from one each, other, one an, uh, from each other. So that way, they can they can kind of become their own person. It allows the player one to think, well, what would my character do? in this scenario without anyone telling them what to do yeah um and one it shows me who's a good role player in my group it tells me two cool characters in my group um and that's really like in those moments and in moments where the campaign is going off the rails those are the ways that i those are the two times that I can see uh, which characters are memorable.
2: Mm-hmm. Right,
3: yeah. And so it, I I want memorable characters, so I want to give them opportunities to be memorable. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because, like, my so, character... Oh, Sorry, you go ahead.
2: Go on. I, I was going to completely go a okay, different
0: okay. way. Well, yeah, my... So, like, my character being, like, a little tiny, you know, halfling, kind of a bard... I wanted to be kind of, like, a, a brave but, like, more foolhardy character. And I, I really enjoyed the ways that you, like, allowed me to kind of... You kind of pushed my character into being alone, like, on night watch or whatever. And allowed mm-hmm. me to kind of roleplay that out and just see the consequences, you know? Yeah. Because I guess the yeah. way I see d and I'm not trying to, like, game it. I'm really trying to play my character, almost. Yeah, yeah,
3: which is... Exactly what I want. Um, I,
0: I feel like really like yeah like going out and being brave that, that night watch, but then in the one fight that we had, really, I like the fact that I <laughs> fucked up so bad and then lost my weapon and like completely made a fool of myself. Like, like
3: that's really a good story. Fool yeah. jingles away miserably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I I'm glad that you liked it because um, like I'm here to to play a fun story for y'all um a lot of the times i i have some extensive notes on certain parts of my world but in other aspects i almost go in somewhat unprepared in some aspects and i i just kind of play it by ear um Mm -hmm. i see what the dice say and we just roll with it and I, i think it's turned out pretty well for me so far um like I, I've run a few exciting campaigns. Um, it's it's usually my campaigns are usually very very dependent on players who want to play their character though, which is why which is why that that made that makes me happy to hear like you're trying to play your character, because some some players will play it like they're trying to beat me, and it's like no that's <laughs> not what we do here. Yeah.
2: Um, I'm I'm, going to find a cheat.
3: Yeah, like, I'm not here to beat y'all. You're not here to beat me. Because, frankly, if we were to get into that fight, like, the DM would win every time. Uh, Because, like, if the DM really wanted to, I could drop a greater god on you and just (laughs) destroy all of y'all instantly. But that would be no fun for me or you. Like, the entire point is to, like, work together to... Have something fun as a group, and so
2: yeah,
3: uh, ever, that makes me happy that you want to role play it.
1: Have you ever had to just smite someone who was taking the fun out of it for everyone else?
3: Oh my gosh, yes, so many <laughs> times. Um, okay, so there was one person who I played with in a college campaign who they uh. <laughs> They would go around and they would try to get rich and get power. It was it was a female player, it was two female players actually who would tag team and they would try to seduce every male NPC I had. <laughs> um. <laughs> and so, like, eventually, I got so sick of it, and so eventually, I I gave their character a homebrew STD. In order to yes. curb their their, 'cause like they would, anytime one of the players would start role playing with this NPC and they would be getting really into it, and they're like, there was one time they were trying to negotiate <laughs> with this with this local lord to help them overthrow this evil king, and like one of the characters was getting really into it, and like, no, you have a uh, you have. Uh, an obligation to help your people to overthrow tyranny and stuff. And he was having this full on debate with this Lord. And then they just go, Hey, uh, we're going to make explicative hand gestures towards the cane and like nod towards the entrance. And they had charisma up the wazoo for their characters. <laughs> and so like the dice, of course allowed it to happen. And so it's like, well, I can't say no because the dice said
2: it happened. The carl um, Carl, that means they're flirting with you. Technically, right? If they're flirting with the characters and you're the characters, is not that mean they're, <laughs> to some extent, flirting with you? Ah? Uh? Oh, really?
3: Uh... Somewhat, but it wasn't really that vibe. It was much more like they were just trying to see how many points they could score on top yeah. of the other players. They yeah, kept time a time tally card a re- of how many NPCs. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, no. Uh, trust me, but it was it was not a revelation that <laughs> I, I would even want. Like that was just uh, no fly zone there. Fair enough. Um, enough. <laughs> um, but no, I I had I had to come up with that because it's like, well, you're sucking all the fun because that happened on multiple occasions where someone was getting really into their character and then they're just like, I seduce so and so, and then it's like, what? Why? Why it's would you do? Away. Yeah. It's like we were we were having a good time. This is why we can't have nice things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so yeah, I had I had to do that. Um but yeah, there there have been a few times where like people sucked fun out of it. And so I would come up with some clever way to to kill them. I don't wanna drop like something huge that would obviously kill them that just seems non sequitur to what we were doing. Like, I would try to make it make sense. But, like, sometimes it's just, like, they're they're obnoxious characters and they're obnoxious players. And sometimes when, like, fate has its day and wants to screw with me, it makes the two of those things become one and it's just really bad. But, yeah. It's, like, I don't want... I don't want people who hodge the attention. Like, if you're hogging attention in a D&D session, you're kind of missing the point.
1: Yeah. Right. yeah. To uh, the other side of that same coin, uh, Badger asked, what part of D&D brings you the most fun as a DM? Oh my
2: goodness. Um, <laughs> Badger asking the hard-hitting questions. Okay, so there are probably
3: two things I would say. The first one, Uh, would probably be at the end of a successful campaign. Uh, And all of the players are kind of like basking in their victory and they're like (laughs) cheering each other on and uh, stuff like that. Same effect happens when somebody rolls a critical success at a really opportune time. Um, Mm -hmm. And everyone's hype. Especially in person. Like Zoom kind of kills it. Like, yeah. like virtual yeah, yeah. virtual D kind of kills the vibe but like when you're in person uh and you're around like a big table with like six or seven people and like y'all are like clinging to life and somebody rolls that critical that critical success that brings you all victory like everyone just screams and <laughs> gets hype about it it's like insane but uh that's probably my first my first one and the second one is uh, there have been a few times where, like, you know, I, I finish up a session, and usually it's like, I'm cleaning up my stuff, uh, I'm getting ready to go, and then people tell me, like, hey, uh, I really enjoyed tonight, like, I never thought I would play D&D before, but, like, this was really fun, and I enjoyed it, and I want to do this more often, and, like, knowing that my story got somebody to fall in love with the same game I did. Like that that
2: that brings me happiness. So, yeah, that's gotta be pretty cool. That actually I, I have a I was thinking about it. So uh and D is typically you know thought of as kind of a kind of a nerdy uh, a nerdy kind of game. You oh you picture D you picture all these kids in a movement, you know, kind of playing it by themselves. But, like, how many different types of people have you had in a game? Because I already know, you know, uh, some people from, from our varsity football team in high school has participated in it. And that kind of blew my mind when I first heard it. Yeah. So I was like, what? Those people would play that? Okay. Yeah, so
3: um, I – let me think. So I have – like, as you guys know, Hunter uh, plays. So he's uh, – yeah. like, he's a physics major – At Alabama, and I have you three, uh, and all four of y'all are band people, but I also had (laughs) uh, I've also had, um, I've had honors college people from my, my university, I've had um, I've had people from the business school, I've had student athletes that have played, um, I've had quite a few people. I've had like full-blown frat boys in my D and D sessions. Uh, one of them played a bard uh, yeah. in one of my campaigns, and uh, he had a thing about his character that even he doesn't know about because um, I rolled for it in his background. But he he is a human being, but he's currently possessed by a powerful entity that he's unaware of and so there's certain times where his character will just black out when nobody else is around and he's being like attacked by something way more powerful than his character and he wakes up and like either that thing's dead or he's like in a completely different like place and like the Mm -hmm. party would find him like in an open field just like with like a whole bunch of like dead bodies around him they're just like How the heck did you do this? And he's like, (laughs) "Uh, I don't know. I don't think it was me." I woke up like (laughs) this, man. (laughs) Um, but like, yeah, I've had I've had people in frats. I've had uh, I've had party people uh in my sessions. I've had um. I've had uh, a few of my uh, RAs in my games, and I've had. Like I've had varsity football players, I've had it's like there's there there's a lot of different people that I've DM'd. Um so it's it's kind of it's kind of fun. Um Yeah, that
1: is but, really
2: interesting. <laughs> it's cool. I mean,
1: it's an RPG, right? You can make it what you want, so it doesn't matter who yeah. you are, right?
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: That's the cool part about it, I think.
2: Uh, yeah. And like every
3: group brings in its own vibe. So like Y'all's vibe is is more like a um like a high fantasy uh kind of I could see it being like one of those uh one of those novels that we would probably get at like the Scholastic Book Fair. Um like The Adventures of So and So, and like it's just a whole bunch of like really wild characters that just do crazy stuff. Like a Monty Python. Yeah, it's (laughs) almost like a Monty Python uh, scenario. Um, Whereas, like, the Varsity Football players are much more like a... They kind of play it like a... uh, Like a Game of Thrones or a Lord of the Rings cross. Where it's just like... Mm -hmm. You know, lots of people die in their campaign, um, and <laughs> there have been several times where that entire party has almost died. Um, and it's <laughs> it, it, it's just kind of cool to see the different the different vibes that play into uh, my different campaigns. So yeah,
2: yeah, because. Uh i i'm interested to to hear about like new players versus veteran players as to how the how the character the person themselves translates into the character they create you know like because i can probably see how the varsity football players would make this really badass like warrior Mm -hmm. character that goes around you know just wreaking havoc on everything Uh, and then I, i don't know i i think my character i i designed to be kind of a projection of myself and I just did that on uh, uh, a tiny gnome. Well, yeah, that's me. A tiny red-bearded, red-headed gnome. Uh, My thing. character. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I just felt myself projecting uh, all too much, but I wonder if, like, the more experienced players, they kind of play a character rather than being that character. I don't know. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah, um so I would say this. Um newer newer players definitely they they either do they they usually have some wild concept for like their character and what they are at first. Um but once they get into the role play scenario, they start going, Oh, mmm I don't know how to play this. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so they basically play them if they were given like magic powers. Okay,
2: yeah, I can see that.
3: <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and so like that's usually how it goes. Um, and the more experienced you get, you tend to you tend to start making a little stranger characters. But like ones that would fit better in the world you're playing, in, you feel. Um, and you also tend to have a more depth of that character as opposed to, like, hey, this is an aspect of myself. Um, cause like, uh, taking, taking, uh, I'll, I'll take uh, some of my some examples from people so like my my sisters when they play because they're all younger than me they usually play uh one type of character and they almost never go outside of that role and I'm usually stuck in the same role too but that's because our party needs like a fighter or something mm-hmm. and I'm usually you know the fighter of the party because uh, if I'm playing it's like all right everybody else has some magic or healing thing or in the case of ruth she's stealth (laughs) and so i have to i have to be the guy that if uh hits the fan uh i can i can fight to the death um and so they usually made characters that are reflections of themselves right um like victoria plays a cleric almost exclusively um Mm -hmm and she the more she has gone on the more outgoing her characters have gotten but she started like victoria you guys know is very shy um and doesn't like to talk to a bunch of people um but eventually she got to the point where she's able to like one of her more recent characters is a (laughs) is a a lay healer named Preetri, which is very loud uh very outgoing she has a very obnoxious british accent um and she's very assertive on what Mm -hmm. she believes which like to some people would be a complete shock if she met if they met her um but like previous characters looked very much like her and Preetri, while she still has aspects of her, like is different. Um, right. and so like the more I see people play characters, and it's usually not how many years you've played, it's usually how many characters have you developed. Um Okay. Like years play some into it, but the more campaigns you play, uh the more different types of characters you play, usually the better because um, mm-hmm. like if you only play fighters your entire life you'll know how to make a damn good fighter but you won't know how to make too much anything else um yeah but if you if you learn to play a wizard and a cleric and a fighter and a thief like if you play one of the each big four types it's like you you get really creative with um with what you end up creating so mm-hmm.
1: we've talked a lot about players and characters i'm really interested though in the world building that you get to do as a dm uh like what goes into firstly how much time goes into world building and and creating a hmm. story but also like what types of things do you actually you showed us some artwork you made yesterday uh, yeah so what, what kind of stuff goes into world building
3: Okay, well, the first step of building a world, if you're ever planning on being a DM, uh, you want to have a a core concept that you want to build the world around. Uh, you don't want it to be too complicated, cause that's a mistake I ran into early on. Um, if you try to fit too many themes into one world, it'll explode. It'll be a hot mess... Uh, your players are gonna be like, this is a fever dream. I don't know where we are. Um, so you want to be consistent. So, like, uh, in y'all's world, uh, in the early stages that, of the world y'all are playing in, it was very much a fever dream. I had no idea what the heck was going on. Um, but I started developing more refined eras in the timeline, so I usually make a timeline of what I want the world to be like. And I have a few set pieces like, okay, this is when I want this to be introduced. And then I don't make anything else other than that set piece. And I usually plan a campaign to be played at that time. And then I let the campaign shape the world around it. Um, so I come up with, I usually come up with a few countries um the one y'all are on is my biggest world so it has more countries than most like uh in 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 a smaller in the smaller oriental world i showed y'all there's probably like six countries total um and that's pushing it uh because if i'm going to build a world to start off i would suggest no more than five because it gets real complicated from then on out um But then, uh, the world y'all are on has like 20. So, Mm -hmm. uh, and that's, that's because I usually develop the parts of the world by having a campaign in that area. Mm -hmm. And that campaign will force me to go, okay, well, what are the, what's the aesthetic I want to bring? Uh, what are some key players in this region? And, um... Just come up why is this place the way it is why is it here um so like in y'all's place for instance in the celtic region um i'm like okay well why is it the way it is um it's like okay why is there a war between two countries okay well there there's as you all know there there's a feud between two gods and their sons are on the thrones of the respective kingdom right. right so it's like okay we we have a a framework there and obviously it can get more complicated but it starts with like <clears throat> it starts with a concept and then it shifts to okay well how can i play this in a campaign and then the campaign basically makes the world as we go um You don't want to fully flesh out your world all in one go. You want to make a rough sketch. um, And as the players walk through, you paint the lines as they're walking. Uh, You don't want things to be too set in stone. Uh, It kind of reminds me... um, There was... There was this cartoon when I was a, really, when I was like a toddler that I would watch with my dad, uh, where it was, it was a cartoon about, I forget what it's called, but it was this dog who would walk around and go on adventures and they wouldn't paint the whole scene around the dog. Um, It would be the dog, whoever the dog is interacting with, and like maybe an inch of space around that's colored in. The ground around the dog would be colored, maybe like the horizon in one specific area that the dog is looking at, but nothing else would be colored in. And it kind of just left it open. It was meant to be drawn so that the child would envision the world how they thought it would be instead of cartooning it the way the cartoonist thought it should be. Um, and so that's kind of how I want to DM because I, I don't want to tell the players how it is. I want them to look at what I'm telling them how point A and point B are, and they fill in the rest.
0: Yeah, I kind of, I kind of got that from, from this like part of the campaign that we had yesterday, because, because I kind of like you know I knew that we were in this city, Alban, and we had to go to this place that was somewhere in the west, but I really didn't know anything other than there's a road and we're going on it, mm-hmm. so I kind of like right. Like I said, I kind of like to envision what's going on around our party and my character in my head a little bit. So I kind of like had my, you know, I had like an idea of like the terrain,
2: where we were, stuff like that, you know? And I kind of struggled yeah. with that because I, I remember keep at, I kept asking for a map. Because I wanted to know, I wanted to know where we were and where we needed to go and stuff like that. But uh, uh, it was true. Yeah. Uh, I will get y'all a map eventually,
3: I promise. I do have a map here, um, mm-hmm. but I didn't see a reason to get y'all a map just yet because, one, not all of it's done, and two, um, in the place that y'all are at, it's kind of pointless to have a map. <laughs> right. Um, Which, it, it was like, well... They're just going to end up in a spot where a map would be useless anyway, so why give them one? <laughs> yeah. Like, that would be giving y'all a sword and then telling you guys, oh yeah, you're going to a dinner party.
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> so, wow.
2: yeah. Um, cool. Let's see. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. This one's, this one's a personal for your part. Would you rather... Would you rather be... A DM or a character within. Which one? Cause I know you've been
3: doing a lot of DMing recently. So I'll be try. real, I prefer being a DM, however. Mm-hmm. That is because I like the DM the DM offers a lot of control. And you can control right. a lot of what you like. Um Being a character is heavily dependent on the rest of your party in order to feel good. Um, And if you get a really good group of guys, like, being a player by far is the best thing. Mm. Uh, There's little to no prep time. Uh, Well, sometimes. It depends on what kind of player you are. But, um, But, like... You can just show up you can enjoy it you can play a fun character um and just vibe i guess but being a dm definitely has its perks because you just you feel more invested in the world if it's your own and so that that makes that's the kind of thing i like to do that's where i think i fit in the best um But being a player is super fun. Um, And it's really hard, though, because I need to find a good group to play with. That's true. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's hard to find a good group um, because it's like not a lot of people I know are veteran D&D players uh, to begin with. And then it's hard to find people who have time and, you know... Mm -hmm. People who aren't just going to be there to
2: like stick it to you, and it's just like well, I don't want that. Right, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, our group is. I'm I'm glad that all of our group is pretty nonchalant. Hunter might not have. I don't know. I don't know if Hunter kind of wanted to be as easygoing as we were, but uh... <laughs> he kind of seemed to rule with it though. I mean, yeah, I'm glad that he did because he didn't really have a choice.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Hunter but, was definitely going for a much darker vibe than the rest of you
1: I feel like I was going for a much more... Like, okay, Blaine went for a very uh, unorthodox-type character and oh, yeah. unorthodox-type build. <laughs> for some reason, whenever, whenever I set myself in a fantasy-type situation, I always really want to... I wanted my character to fit into the world he was going to be living in. Whereas Blaine's is kind of... An outlier in a lot of different ways both just literally and within the game world itself yeah um, but I like to I don't know whenever I developed my character I was thinking along the lines of like what'll make him unique but not so unique that you know it won't pull me out or anyone else out of the mm-hmm. of the world um, I think yeah. character is certainly the darkest in our party but my... I still don't even know what the intent of my character is. Because he's sort of... <laughs> yeah. I'm playing this thief who... Is sort of, you know, like... When you think of a thief, you're thinking of someone who's really greedy. Who wants yeah. to steal from, steal from people. But I'm... So far, I've been playing this kind of Robin Hood type character. Mm-hmm. And it, it's really fun to... To try to evolve that. Within my own... He literally...
2: Character literally gave us money every night yeah. he would sneak not even not even like publicly the tooth he would, yeah he would sneak into our bags and give us 200 gold yeah that was pretty interesting i don't think
0: my characters even found out about that yet in my uh, room you, bought,
1: you did <laughs> buy something yeah. at that market yeah, you just we you didn't realize something.
0: yeah i guess i didn't like look at my it bag was somewhat
3: anymore. hasty because of
0: the exchange <laughs> yeah. yeah that was an interesting bit of the little movie that we had going
3: yeah,
1: my character really doesn't know when to fucking stop sometimes. <laughs> yeah. uh,
0: I, I think penetrant. I made my character because, like, uh, <laughs> I don't know, because you said that the group are going to be linking up with and playing with, probably. Or pr- definitely, you know. I hope, Hopefully. I hope so. That'd be pretty interesting to see. But I, I made it because, like, you said that all, all of them are pretty much kind of big, beefy, you know... Like really hard DPS or tanks or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of darker. But I just kind of want to make a little lighthearted bard. to Yeah. I don't know.
2: Add some contrast, maybe. I'm not sure. I, yeah. I like that we're both lighthearted. What I don't like is that you hate me.
0: <laughs> I feel like it's a natural. It's a natural. <laughs> it's natural for my little halfling bard to be uh, racist against gnomes. For some reason. Might... That just felt you might right. In hate...
2: time. You might be projecting a little bit into the. Being... <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of role playing my character around the story, I guess, because I don't really have a plan. Uh, um,
1: yeah. Another question from Badger that I think we've talked about uh in private yesterday. But he asked, "Do you have any future world ideas planned or do you build each world around people you know will be
3: playing?" Ooh, um so yes and no. Um when I build aspects of a world I usually do have somebody in mind um mm-hmm. so like character classes I do have people in mind when I make those um and I usually build them off of an archetype of somebody I know um uh, oh, okay. yeah so I usually have that but like for for most worlds um it's usually like hey I had this cool idea or I watched a cool movie or read a book that I really liked. And I'm like, huh, that's a cool idea. And then I'll do some sketches of what I think an aesthetic for this world would be. And then I'll, I'll sleep on it and then I'll come up with stuff. So I have this Oriental world that I talked to you guys about uh, yesterday, um, where it's this post uh, postmodern world, but where the, inhabitants of the planet don't realize it's a postmodern world um they have all this leftover infrastructure uh nuclear power plants that still keep running because they were so well built by the technology of the previous era but there was something that happened that caused a significant loss of knowledge um people don't know what started it uh
2: Like a second Dark Ages.
3: Yeah, essentially. Uh, So it's basically, what if you fell into the Dark Ages from right now? Yeah. And so it's just like, well, goodness, uh, I don't know. Um, And so there's there's like uh, a good portion of the world that's uninhabitable because of this poisonous mist. Uh, And there are, because of... poisonous mist some of these nuclear reactors are not maintained uh and so they blow up and cause imbalances in nature and seeing that i based it off an oriental world uh, i took the japanese concept of a kami which is a nature spirit um, that if the balance in nature will become unbalanced uh, then the kami will of that area will arise and rebalance it, uh, usually through the form of taking revenge on whoever uh, was responsible for the unbalancing, uh, which in most cases are humans, um, because most of the time humans are fairly ignorant and don't know better. Um, And so it causes the people in this world are terrified of these giant nature spirits that will just seek vengeance on them mm-hmm. uh, so it becomes like there's spirit fault which are like smaller kami <clears throat> that uh, appear human and they kind of try to blend in with the populace and just live their lives but in extremely emotional ways will start acting more and more like their spirit kind and people are very racist towards these individuals because they resemble the beings that are so powerful and cause fear among the populace and so one it's a lesson in how fear makes us stupid um but it's also a world where uh we can kind of see the necessity for balance and understanding so it's like i have i usually have a concept and i also have like an aesthetic that goes along and so that's one of the worlds i have um, I have another world that's entire, another solar system I've made that's all elves, and that's where the elves in my U- D&D universe that I've made come from. Um, and I usually make homeworlds for each of the races. Like, there's a homeworld for the orcs, um, and there's a reason why they're spread across the universe now, even though they're not a spacefaring race. Uh, I have reasons for that. Um, But yeah, so I I have a lot of things. And I usually try to mix in uh, modern problems that we see in our world around us and try to put them into context. And my players basically have to work their way through and find solutions for things. And so it's kind of a two-edged sword. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like, we're having fun, but we're also like there's usually a message behind it. Um, yeah, it
2: it connects with the players more cuz it's a reflection of current events. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool cuz I was that's a that one that you described the Oriental World sounds like a really really fun one. I would love to play in it.
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, once we're once we're done with this campaign, I'd be happy <laughs> I'd be happy to run a run a session.
1: Yeah, we're I... ahead of ourselves already.
2: <laughs> I have a stipulation that all of us have to be a uh, bard. We'll all talk about just... that more
1: later.
3: Ooh. <laughs> uh,
2: can we make it through with all of us being bards?
3: Ah, but here's here's a thing with Oriental—they have completely different classes. Bard's not even a thing in the Oriental Adventures. Hmm. I'll make it work.
2: Hmm.
1: <laughs> How many strings are you willing to pull, then, Carl? <laughs>
2: Yeah. I'll give you two gold pieces. I'll think about it.
3: Well, there's the mule. <laughs> oh, man. Two gold pieces. That's.
1: In real that's life. A steal. Real life gold no no, 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 no.
3: Real life one ounce gold coins. Oh, God. That's 24 like...
1: karat gold. Wayne's
3: yeah. watching his student tuition go down I'll melt it all down
1: myself. Yeah. Guess <laughs> what? You two have a forge, right? Somewhere? Yeah uh yeah, yeah we'll, so, melt, I mean, we'll melt the gold down ourselves yeah, that's do for it. a oh,
2: all episode ed- to talk about Yo yeah,
3: yeah. Forge? do some black oh, we're gonna have to they're just spray painting
0: to... nickels yeah we'll spray paint some nickels with gold uh <laughs> very metallic spray paint and give them to you if you want to let us have bards uh excellent can we shake on it when we see each other ah
1: I think you guys are already investing too much into this completely. Uh, campaign. Yeah. Well, I'm you trying gotta, to. I'm trying to live well, the yeah, moment, guys. <laughs> I think you should try. Oh yeah, so. I,
0: I'm really. I am excited for what's to come in our current, uh, c- our current campaign. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm.
3: It'll be exciting.
1: I have, I have a kind of a question. What kind of questions do you wish you could ask players, or do you ask players as a DM? Like what kind of things do you
3: want to I know usually, from players? I usually ask them like, uh, what were things that they liked about the session? What they didn't like, you know, roses, buds, thorns type thing. Um, mm-hmm. I also usually ask them uh, towards the end of a campaign, "Hey, how did you like how your character turned out? Oh, like, yeah. how did how did you like the development? How did you like the arc?" Of your character Um, Mm -hmm. and I hope that they do Um, uh, it's not always the case sometimes they're like oh well I was kind of hoping for this direction but it kind of went a different direction and sometimes that's unavoidable Um,
1: how often but so so it's a role-playing game so you really the player really does have a lot of control over their own character but how much of a yeah I mean individual characters arc do you are you actually able to control as the DM? Like what like you say some people aren't as satisfied with the arc of their character. How much of that is your fault, or how much of that is their fault as the player?
3: Some of it's my fault, I would say, uh, because sometimes uh sometimes it's the nature of the campaign. Like if you intended as a character to become I don't know a a wealthy lord or whatever um and the entire campaign premise that i have is like um uh y'all are y'all are escaping a a problematic situation where you're trying to uh defeat uh this great evil And sometimes, uh, sometimes your character might end up dying a very heroic death, which could be a really cool ending for your character, and it's very poetic. Um, and sometimes it's the best way to finish a character is an honorable death. Um, but sometimes it's like, oh, that's not what I wanted. I wanted my character to retire and live happily ever after. Or mm-hmm. I wanted to become like a ruler of my own little mini nation state. And it's like, well, sometimes that's just not how it goes. Um, and so some of that's my fault, but another another very larger, much larger portion is what direction does the group as a whole take? Um, that's true. because if the group as a whole just says, you know, screw it, we're not going to fight this demon that you set us up against. We're going to go <laughs> become pirates and um, sail across the seven seas and make this basically um, d d The Odyssey. <laughs> <laughs> um, then there's not much I can control. And it's like, well, yeah, you're probably not going to end up as a powerful lord if... The only property you own is a boat yeah
2: yeah Yeah. so that's just ah, how it it's just how it is fleshed out characters is not something i had thought about before going into this session and i think that's probably the problem with my character because i hadn't really developed too good of a backstory for him so i don't really know what drives him not that he really needs to have a drive he's kind of a go with the flow kind of guy but um Gosh, I don't have any future. I think ambitions. the
3: nature of this campaign will—it'll make your character either it'll make or break your character uh, in the upcoming sessions, because oh. um, because y'all y'all are probably going y'all are going to be meeting up with the other group of people as I mentioned before, and so right. uh, you're going to their play style and the villains they fight are very intense. Um, Hmm. and they usually don't hold back and it's brutal. Um, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of death that goes around in those campaigns. And so, you know, suffering is a great motivator, um, just for characters. So like, I feel like your character will either, your character will either find the will to keep fighting or like it'll break him uh, and that's mm-hmm. usually how characters go it's like there is a make or break point at some point along the campaign and that character either doesn't know what to do and he dies or that character overcomes the obstacles and reinvents themselves so it's usually how it poetic. goes
2: well, I only have 11 health, so I'm probably gonna be a little bitch.
1: <laughs> for now, just for now. I've yeah. yeah. Now
3: I've had now. characters, I've had characters in my campaign like Logan, described himself uh. In, the campaign as a glass cannon, because he can yeah. deal death, uh, with his spells. But if he gets hit, like he's pretty screwed. Because I think. I'm gonna be real. Y'all are really low health compared to the rest of them, but they've they're pretty much eighth, ninth level. Um, so mm-hmm. they've almost used all of their hit dice already. And so like I think the highest number of hit points in that party is like a hundred and twelve. Um wow. and that's I think that's
2: I think that's Peyton's character. Um yeah. But like yeah, he did- Logan edge- he did mention whenever they were playing that they would pretty much just protect Logan and let him deal most of the damage like they were literally the meat shields for him. Yeah.
3: Well yeah, cuz I don't think they have a single player except for Logan that's under 70. Um mm-hmm. and Logan is like 40 something. Okay. So but he's he's pretty much maxed out his health. So <laughs> um but the thing with him though is he's got some they have items that augment their abilities which y'all have just acquired some items that y'all will discover what they do <coughs> like, not, not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Caleb didn't get anything I uh, yeah sorry Caleb that's just how the dice went I mean, that's the dice wanted <laughs>
2: maybe um, maybe Andrew will share with you or something yeah <laughs> I, did did get, you...
1: I did get two things um, yeah,
2: he did. He got he got a, that
3: ring and I got the a ring
1: uh, and a cudgel. So, the cudgel sounds like it's a little more up your alley than mine. It feels a little big for me to be using.
0: Yeah, maybe. I'm,
1: I'm a I'm a small arms type guy. So.
3: Yeah, perhaps. We'll see, man.
1: Maybe you'll find it in your backpack one night.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like even they don't know what some of their magic items do fully so like i usually have fairly complicated magic items that you don't know what they do and you just kind of find oh well they can do this but most of my magic items that i give high level players aren't one trick ponies Mm -hmm. so they usually have a few levels of what they can do and then eventually the player is like well snap i can do this 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 and this like that's that's, that's a pretty cool weapon and or item and it's pretty much at that point those items become like character making items like hey, like you will always associate your character with this item and you guys just won't part with it type deal. like yeah. starting weapons are usually pretty bad um <laughs> and like it's like, okay, so I lost a mace in a swamp um, <laughs> which by the way, like I've lost, I've had players lose maces in a swamp twice, which isn't a lot, but it's kind of weird that it happened twice. That is pretty strange. <laughs> um, yeah, one you you threw it into the swamp, but Doug in the previous campaign was on watch, had his mace by the river as he was sleeping, uh, as he was keeping watch, passed out because he rolled a critical fail on his night watch, um, and he <laughs> woke up. He woke up uh as water nymphs had stolen like his mace Peyton's left shoe oh and a few other God. things. <laughs> um and they just retreated into the river. And so he was just like Well, shoot. <laughs> so yeah, we currently have yeah. two lost maces in a bodge somewhere.
1: Someone has those maces. Those maces they're both are in a... the
3: same they're in the same world, I guess, right? They are. They're actually not geographically too far from each other too. <laughs> huh.
1: yeah, someone's forty <laughs> maces find in a mace boss. Maybe
3: we'll find a bandit yeah. who has two we maces
0: should... on his lip. Yeah, yeah we should we should intend in my to my go arm. back one day mm-hmm. and try to find that
1: mace. <laughs>
0: to
3: find my crappy yeah. move And <laughs> some Yeah. I mean bog. I mean Peyton did did say that they should go back and try to try to find that mace <laughs> as one of their
2: side quests. So maybe yeah, I can we, work we that all... in.
1: We can all try to find all our lost shit.
2: That's how we bring our two groups together. We come bearing gifts of mace.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> we find their mace, they find ours.
3: Yeah. Oh, I I have a fairly... I have a good way to introduce y'all. Y'all won't be disappointed. All right. Um, I'm I awaiting not eagerly. Oh, yeah. Yo. Uh See, so yeah, we're It'll coming be up...
1: We're coming up on, like, overtime, overtime here. It's been a little over an hour. True. Uh It has, yeah. What kinda of, what kind of closing type questions do we got left? Blaine or Caleb or anybody?
2: Um
1: anything we missed? I always
2: wondered this um are you a part of the club? The D and D club uh, at your school? I I actually am not. So
3: uh, Okay Here's for some story. reason I thought that. Yeah, me too we don't actually have a formal D. we have a tabletop club but most of the stuff like they're very like i made contact with them and i'm like hey so um i'm a dm i dm second edition a lot um i don't really know fifth edition that well to dm it yeah. Um, I can play it but I can't DM it because it's like you have to be really well acquainted with all the rules. Yeah. Um and so I'm like I'm like if y'all want uh I can like I can get a campaign going and like I'd be happy to be a part of your group. Um and they weren't that well organized and they're like yeah, we'll send out like uh a uh a query to ask if anyone would be interested and they never got back to me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Well, alright. Damn, I guess I'll just vibe on my own then. So yeah, yeah. start
1: start your own club. Like for real.
3: Start the two week yeah. club, yeah.
1: Some, <laughs> I mean I mean, uh some of my brothers old friends, once they went to college, at least one of them started a the esports club at their team. They have an esports team now at uh at their school. Oh yeah. So like anyone could do something like that. I think You'd be a pretty good
3: candidate to start someone with that. Yeah. Yeah, uh I thought about it. It's a lot of work, but that's yeah. true. That is true. shoot, ma'am.
2: <laughs> Maybe I'll just screw around and, and end up doing it. You could probably turn it around as some sort of like excuse to have leadership skills, you know. Like not yeah, only yeah. were you like not only were you the captain of this club, but you created something. You created Right. This. Yeah. And it's it has for test uh, stood through the test of time. I don't know. Yeah, that is. is that Homer Simpson? I mean, um, no, it's not. <laughs> okay. Never mind.
1: Nice. <laughs> yes,
0: there's a lot, of, a lot of, a lot to talk about about D and D though, because we spent hour yeah. Oh a few yeah. minutes just straight
2: talking. Oh yeah, well, you, you could games. talk
3: forever about about Listen, games. If I had so.
2: if I had more if we if we had you back on again, which I, I sure hope we do, um, I could definitely come up with a lot more questions to ask. Oh, I'm here for it. Full send. Oh, yeah. Uh,
1: I think what we should close with is uh, what's your advice to anyone who's either never played or uh, is just interested in playing to try to, you know, get started, or how how they could find people to play with and stuff like that.
3: Yeah. Alright, well, um, uh, number one, you have to find somebody who's willing to be a DM. Now, whether you have a group of friends that's interested, um, if it's a group of you, that's great. Because um, you really don't need too much to be a DM to start. If you're all beginners, like, just pick somebody and go with it there's uh there are so many books that are like if you want to play second edition uh i would suggest going to the trove it's a website uh that has a whole bunch of free books um if uh if you want to play fifth edition uh you can get it at pretty much any game store um get a player's handbook and a dmg are probably your two most important um, and then just print off character sheets and go ham, dude. Um, there are tons of online resources to help you do that. Um, just pay in mind that even if you don't understand the rules fully, and even if you feel like if you're a DM, if you feel like you're a bad DM, but your players are enjoying themselves, you're a good DM. And if you're a player, who thinks they're a bad player, but at the end of the night, everyone's having a great time, and your uh, your character ends up contributing to the party in a way that's meaningful, then you're a good player. And like don't doubt yourself on that. Just just have fun. It's a game. Um yeah. Yeah. and like that that's what my advice is. If you don't have a group, however, um then I would suggest there are a lot of like, there's a lot of discord communities that are for D and D. There's a lot of Instagram pages that will uh, promote um, discord communities. Uh, I've heard there's actually, uh, they made a a website that's sort of like, that's sort of like online dating, but for D and D groups <laughs> and you just put in your preferences and it finds D and D groups that, in your area that you can join and stuff it's pretty sick um but yeah like and now that it's over zoom like people are doing uh things over discord over roll 20 over a lot of different systems so it's it's pretty cool so yeah Mm -hmm. but i tried to find a group if you have a group great if you need a group um I mean, if you really want, we're starting a Discord community for D and D that all all of us are in right now. Oh um, yeah. So like, I guess if y'all want to share uh, a link to join that, then we we can share that if if yeah, that's dude. even possible. I'm fairly new to Discord, so I'm not. Sure. But yeah, so we could we could absolutely do that, and yeah, join because the more, the merrier. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah, full send.
1: Anything else? Mm. Anything s- small, sweet, short?
2: Nah, no, that's it for me. Yeah, same here. Yeah, really, uh-huh.
1: really fun talking to you, Carl. Really yeah, you're, I feel like you're great, insightful. You're a very insightful guy.
0: This is a good episode. <laughs> oh, I
3: try my, I try my best. <laughs> Always a good time.
0: All right. Well, yeah, uh, thanks for listening or watching. Uh, in
2: the future, or you know, here live, uh, mm-hmm. and. If oh, next time... There. Just remember, for next time, we got to talk about the Carl Flea Market story. Um, let's, close let let's close with that.
1: Let's <laughs> close with that.
3: Alright, that it'll uh, be quick. There's, there's a quick. flea market story? Well, it's short, look, Caleb, no Caleb
1: go ahead and let Caleb tell the story. He was the most involved <laughs> in this.
0: Well, uh, let's see. So we went to our local flea market. I think we talked about it last episode, this particular flea market. It's a pretty big yeah, one, so. and they have... Uh, quite a few stalls, and I guess there was we were us three, me, Blaine, and Caleb were, uh, or me, Blaine, and Andrew we were walking around. <laughs> and, uh, we were just walking around, you know, perusing the stores, just hanging out because it's kind of a fun place to be. But we saw this guy with like a like a a small amp and a microphone. And I think he was just, he was calling out, like shouting out at a, one of these stalls, like, "Hey, come on down over here and you know spend your money here or whatever." And so I walked up to him or no I was I was like we were through walking up and I saw him I was like hey should I go should I go give Carl a shout out over that thing and then they were like I don't know do whatever you want so I walked up and I like, hey, hey can I shout my friend out on your microphone he's like hey man sure because this is all before COVID and everything he's like yeah sure man I don't whatever you want so you put the mic up to my face and I was like hey shout out to Carl Schubert uh keep on kicking it out there man <laughs> <laughs> and then i walk away. <laughs> and he was
1: like, eh, oh yeah. my gosh,
3: that is fantastic. Uh, okay. When was this? Chose... Was this while we were still in high school? I think mean, oh, yeah, it would have been senior. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, don't. I don't know why I chose you, exactly. you, but... Oh, that's great. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, I love that so much. That's great. That's a good story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, see, I... China Spring, what a fever dream. <laughs> what a fever dream.
1: Alright, uh but yeah, that's that's all we have time for tonight. So uh you can catch us next Saturday, uh nine PM Central Standard Time. Um I
2: will be at a different home. Yeah, hopefully Blaine won't be a mind. Minecraft character next
1: yeah. week. Yeah. We will see though.
0: If you, uh, uh, if you watch this thing all the way through on YouTube, you, uh, you owe us a sub, so. Press, sure click the
1: subscribe button and hit the bell. Yeah, make sure you hit got this bell.
0: <laughs> HIT THE BELL! <laughs> yeah, yeah, do that, please. Uh, yeah, <laughs>
1: but, uh, but that's it. Thanks again to Carl for coming on and talking to us. Okay. Uh, it was a, it was a great thanks. time.
2: Keep on kicking it, Carl. Yeah, keep on Absolutely. kicking it. Absolutely, <laughs> I will keep on kicking it, just for you, though. Yeah. And to everyone Just for else. You,
1: to everyone else, keep on kicking it. And uh Stay we'll see it we'll see you next week.
2: <laughs> see ya.